Let us pray. Ask for God's help. Father, come to you as the one who's our source of strength, who's our shield, our protector, our defender, our rock, our fortress, the one in whom we find our strength, the one in whom we find our joy, the one in whom we find our peace, the one in whom we find life. Ask, Father, that this morning, even now, you would guide us and direct us in your word, help us to understand, work amongst us, open our eyes and our ears, and be exalted, forming us into the image of your beloved Son, in whom we pray. Amen. Well, as we've been looking at, here we are in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is where we go to find out what it is we should pray right? Guides us. It directs us. What should we be praying? This morning we're going to look at this whole idea of praying that we would not be led into temptation but be delivered from the evil one. And this comes on the heels of finding out some very important things about prayer as well. We've realized that, you know, our priorities get reset. At the very beginning of this, he says, I want you to pray. And when you pray, I want you to pray that our, fathers in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Beginning us, helping us to orient our lives and make the priority God and his kingdom and his glory, that that be our passion. And then God helps us to guide us and direct us to know where does your provision come from? We seek daily bread, daily wisdom, daily grace, all that we need for life from him. And then he goes on to show us where, where, where do we get what we need to set our hearts free in this whole section we looked at last week about forgiving debts, praying that God would forgive us as we forgive others. And just the importance of knowing that unless we deal with our hearts, unless we deal with the uh, issues of forgiveness, God doesn't hear us. And then we move into this, this whole area of protection now today. Protection. We need to pray for protection. We pray in the, verse, in the very first part, and it's a prayer to our Father, our Father that he would not lead us into, into temptation. This is praying that God, our Father, would direct our paths. When we ask God to lead us not into temptation, we shouldn't get the image this image in our mind that somehow we're like these little puppies on a leash where God just leads us around and he leads us into these places of, of just incredible passions and lusts and says, there you go. I'm the one leading you around. When we hear this word, lead us not into temptation, don't think the image shouldn't be that God just leads us along through life and that he's the one who leads us into temptation. That's not the way to think of this. We ask him to lead us not into temptation in this sense, in the sense that we're asking him to direct us away from it. In other words, we're asking him to direct our paths away from temptation. And we can see this because we know um, that God doesn't actively, don't think of this, he's on a leash, somehow God leads us and he's the one who causes temptation to happen. 
Sometimes I guess we could read this and we could we praying, oh, lead us not in temptation as if, oh God, I know you're leading me. I know you've got a hold of me and here we go. And you're put, bringing me right into the middle of temptation. It's the wrong way to think of it, primarily, primarily because of what it says in James. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. There's the progression. There's how it works. God does not tempt anybody. God does not take us by the neck and lead us into that kind of temptation. We don't know what kind of temptation lies ahead of us. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know where our paths are actually going to direct us. We don't know who we're sometimes going to end up talking to, what we're going to end up seeing, what we're going to end up hearing, what's going to come our way, what kind of confrontation or conflict or circumstance we're going to find ourselves in. We don't know. So when we're praying, lead us not, we're saying, God, direct us not. I don't want to go around that corner and find a temptation. We don't, so it's, it's wrong to think, oh God, don't grab me by the neck and pull me into it. We're saying, oh God, please guide my path and direct me away from it. That's what we're saying. Because we do not know what lies ahead of us, but God does. And because he's the one who directs our paths, guess what? He expects us to look to him. He expects us to, to look to him for our protection, for him to be our shield, for him to direct us safely. And when we look to him, he directs us away from this particular kind of temptation. He doesn't ever actively lead us, as I've been trying to say, into temptation. But he will allow us to go into that temptation if we're being a fool. We're asking him to lead us away, looking to him for him to be the one who protects us, shields us, delivers us, guards us. You remember the passage in in, uh, Psalm 18 that was read for us this morning? Beautiful psalm about where was David's protect, who is David's protector? Who is the one who shields him? Who's the one who guards him? Who's the one who defends him? Who's the one who fights for him? Who is his deliverer? God. But this is easily forgotten. We often look to ourselves Look to our resources. Look to our own strength. We don't look to God to lead us and protect us. We look to ourselves. How many times have you ever gotten on the computer, went to work, went to church, or wherever, and just assumed that everything was going to be okay? And then you find yourself in a situation or circumstance where you're tempted. And the next thing you know, bam, you're not ready for it. The next thing you know, you find yourself falling. The next thing you know, you find yourself doing what you so often do, walking in the flesh. Perhaps the thing that gets you most is an image that you weren't expecting. The statement from that person that comes in a way that you weren't expecting. A circumstance that befalls you that you weren't expecting. A person 
who acts in a way that you weren't expecting. You know why? Because you do not know what's around the next corner. And if we presume to think that when we go around the next corner, we're going to be okay, we're fools. And God will often allow us to go in our foolishness and not direct our paths and allow us to go there so we can find out something. We're not God. We don't have the strength. Apart from you, O God, I can do nothing. I'm not my shield. I'm not my rock. I'm not my fortress. I'm not my deliverer. God and God alone is. And sometimes that takes us a long time to figure out. We keep falling because we're not looking to God to direct our paths. We look to ourselves, our own resources. But you know what we could have done? We could have listened and heeded the wisdom and prayed. Prayed for God's protection. Prayed for God's deliverance. Prayed, oh Lord God, lead Lead me not into temptation. Allow, direct my path so that temptation doesn't come my way. Please, oh God. And there's something else we need to understand here. There's something about this word temptation that we have to understand, what it is and what it isn't. Because when we say lead us not into temptation, there's a certain kind of temptation that's being referred to here. This word temptation could also be translated trial, a place where we are brought to the... uh, uh, a point of testing. However, it's, it's a testing of the flesh, not a testing of our faith. And there's a difference. It's important to understand this. We know that God actually directs, actually leads his people into the testing of their faith. We know that. How do we know that? What did God do with Abraham? He said, I'm going to test his faith. Go sacrifice your son. What did God do with his children, his whole children of Israel? Why did he lead them through the wilderness? To test them, it says in Deuteronomy. To test them, to see if they're going to hold fast to him. Are they going to be faithful to him? So he puts them under trial. Look Look at Jesus. Who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested? The Spirit. So we're asking, we wouldn't be praying for God not to do something that he's actually going to do for us. That he, he's promised to do. You think promised to do? Yeah. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Consider it joy, because when you're, you're brought into these particular trials, know that this is for your good, that God's using it for your good. What kind of trials? What kind of testing is that? That's the testing of our faith which produces perseverance. It's not the temptation of our flesh, which just a few verses later in James, what does he say? Does God tempt anyone? Not at all. God does not and will not. He's not interested in tempting your flesh. He is, however, interested in testing your faith. And this word can often be understood. Sometimes people think, lead us not into what? What's the temptation referring to? The temptation is a temptation of our flesh. A trial that we're gonna, we undergo when we actually have to struggle against our passions. Because we should not pray that God deliver us from the temptation or a trial of faith, which we know he's going to lead us into. There we need to pray for grace. That's where we need daily bread. That's where you need his provision. That's where we need his strength. Paul often, he rejoiced in his sufferings. Peter talks about the coming sufferings that are going to befall you and count it, and you're to call yourself blessed when you suffer for Christ's sake. 
So if we're to uh, count it all joy, if we're to consider ourselves blessed, if we're to be like, uh, like Paul and rejoice in our weak, weakness and afflictions, we shouldn't be praying against that stuff. Oh, don't bring us there. We should be praying for grace in the midst of it. What we're praying when we say lead us not into temptation is a kind of temptation that appeals to our flesh. An example, in the garden, what was that? When Adam and Eve were tested by the evil one, that was a temptation. They should have prayed that morning, oh Lord, lead us not into temptation. It's when the evil one hangs a carrot before them. And they likes it. That's what happens. That's a temptation you want to avoid. And it's, something, it's not one, something that God does. Another good example of being tempted and what happens is, what, is David himself. David, you all know the story pretty well, I think. David goes up looking out from his palace at the time of the year when the kings are at war and David's not. He looks around and he sees a beautiful woman Bathsheba bathing. He there at that moment is enticed by his flesh. And James, as James says, this is what the temptation is, when we're led away and enticed by our passions and lusts. And when, when these passions and lusts conceive this conception, it means it takes root in the heart. It takes root in our heart, and all of a sudden, it's past the point of no return, and that we seek to fulfill that passion. So David goes and he sins in this way and the sins brings more death than we can ever think of imagine. Think of how different Israel, David, the dynasty would have been apart from that. Now how different would it have been? Just think of this for a moment. How different would it have been if David woke up that morning and prayed as Jesus is teaching us to pray? Oh Father, please direct me. Direct me away from being tempted, away from temptation, and deliver me from the evil one who seeks to destroy me. Please, oh God, how different would his day been that day? Perhaps he would have woke up and become really convicted all of a sudden of leaving his men out in the field fighting, and he should have went to war with them. And, he, and then he repents and realizes, grabs his stuff and heads out. Perhaps he, the timing would have been different. He went out there and she wasn't there. Perhaps he went out there and she was there, and this time he was able to stand for some reason. It was different. He was enticed quickly, realized the temptation, and turned away and went back in. It would have been so different. You know why? Because God will deliver his people from temptation, but he'll also allow a fool to go and fall so they might learn something. You cannot stand on your own. Don't be a fool and walk into the battle unarmed. I'll let you fall at times so that you can realize, where does your strength come from? Where does your protection and safety come from? It comes from the Lord. And our sanctification, our growth in godliness is contingent upon us understanding two things. One, our complete weakness in our flesh. And two, our understanding of God's willingness to deliver, support, Help and sustain us. People, 
God loves to jump to our aid. He loves to protect. He loves to defend. He loves to be the one that covers you with his wings and says, don't touch him. He loves that. And he loves his children who hide under his wings. He loves the children who go to him early in the morning, who know their weakness and say, Father, I'm weak. Please do not allow me to go in the way of temptation and please deliver me from the evil one. He jumps to their aid. He is their savior, their deliverer, their shield, rock, and defense. Because we have to understand, folks, God is the one who controls the affairs of men. God is the one who provides protection and defense. And if we look to ourselves and think we're something when we're nothing, God would just let us fall so we can understand. Maybe perhaps we'll begin to learn Do not trust yourself. Do not look to yourself. Do not think that in your flesh you're able to stand. As Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You'd be amazed at what you're able to withstand when you stand in the power and the might of the Lord, when you gird yourself and you get up early and you pray like this. This, this, has, this, this prayer also has a flip side to it. Not only do we ask for God to direct our paths and lead us away from this temptation of our flesh, but it, has, it says, but deliver us from evil. The ESV says evil. The New King James says evil one. And it comes on the, on the flip side of the first statement. So don't, don't do this, but do this. So it, start, it has a negative, right? The negative side is, please don't allow me to go here. The positive side, but please deliver me positively from evil. And this, and this is what we need to be led away from. And these are two different ways of saying a very same thing. This is the way Hebrews do Hebrew parallelism. And what the par- this parallelism is like is, is very common. A phrase like this would be very common to a Hebrew, very common to Jesus' audience. Because the Proverbs are all structured this way. Often they would do something like this. And in a quick statement, you can provide a contrast or a mirror or, or this close, tight parallel and say things in a little different way that brings a ton of clarity fast. Boom. All of a sudden you get it and you understand it. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's contrasting, but he's doing it in a way to show, show the other side of it. And what does, he ask, what does he say here? But deliver us from evil. Now, this is interesting, and I could spend a lot of time um, arguing why this is, it's stated here as evil, and New King James says evil one, because in the Greek there's a little a difficult thing going on to to confuse the interpreter. They're not exactly sure what direction to go with it. And if you're interested in hearing that argument, you can talk to me afterwards, but it takes a while to unpack it, so I'm not going to do that. Just suffice it to say that either way is is sufficient. You could say evil or evil one. I believe that the, the evil, if you do say evil, it's not the generic, abstract, evil, everything and all things that can happen bad in this world. Often evil is referred to all the bad things that happen in the world. That's not the evil being referred to here. The evil here is either, you can either relate it to sin, deliver me from sin, or I think better yet, the evil one who is behind all this temptation, who's working behind it all. 
So whatever way you go, I think either are fine. We just have to understand that it's here we're asking God to deliver us from an enemy. And here's the deal. We know from Ephesians chapter 6 that it says our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities and powers and all the, uh, the wicked ruler, rulers in the heavenly places. He says that's what our battle is against. Our battle is not against people, in other words, physical beings, but these spiritual beings that you can't see. You're in a battle. You're engaged in a battle. And he says, and if you want to stand against the wiles of the devil, if you want to stand against his fiery darts, which he, he is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and all of his millions of minions, these demons, we don't see it. We don't know what's going on, but they're very interested in tripping you up. They're very interested in destroying you. They're very interested in you robbing you of your faith. They're very interested in tempting you towards sin because nothing's changed from the garden. What he did there, he still loves to do. Did God really say? And he's clever. Not one of us could stand against his wiles on our own. Not one of us could say, I'll take him on. Bring him on. Let's see what he's got for me. He would tie you in a knot so quick and have you falling so fast that he, faster than you could say the word fast. What happened? You're on your, you're groveling, wondering how you got to this place and you don't, you're so confused. You, you have no idea what happened. You see, even Peter, the apostle Peter, the only reason he actually comes back to Jesus and becomes a faithful follower is because when G- Jesus tells him a little inside secret, says, Peter, you know what? Satan has come to me and asked if he could sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you. That's why he was able to come back to Jesus. That's why he maintained the faith. Otherwise, he would have been in deep trouble. So he's letting us know, you know what? You are in a battle. A battle against, with your own flesh internally. A battle against the temptations of the world and a battle against the evil one and this evil one that you don't see. And you know what? Apart from the armor of God, whose armor? God's armor. Apart from his protection, apart from his guarding you, apart from him delivering you and defending you, you're in trouble. You're going to fall. So many Christians think that they can make it, that they, you know, um, I'm able to stand, and you think this just simply, simply because you're a Christian. No, there's nothing simply about it, and it won't happen. You're probably going to fall many, many times until you realize that in your flesh, you are weak. And the only reason you stand is because God girds you up. God wants us to be dependent creatures who cry out day and night, looking to him as our shield and our defense. God wants us to know how it is that we stand against the schemes of the evil one. And again, this is God's delight. It's his delight to deliver us. So let me ask you a question. Are there sins that you struggle with? I hope you go, yeah, yeah, there are. 
Every single one of us struggles with our mouths. We struggle with guarding our eyes. We struggle with guarding our ears. And within five minutes can be, well, five minutes is a long time. We can be enticed immediately. There are so many things that can trip you up and cause you to fall that it's, it's scary. Images. We live in an age, whether it's on your phone, your laptop, or in any store even, restaurant, flashed images constantly. And most of these images are designed to entice your flesh. If you think for a moment you can make it in the world today apart from God shielding, protecting, defending you, you are a fool. World-class fool. You will fall. Your only hope, your only hope is the Lord our God. Your only hope is to come to here and learn the wisdom of Jesus. Jesus saying, let me teach you something. Let me in on something. Let me help you understand something. When you pray, pray like this. And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. This needs to be a priority in our prayers. And if you find that you struggle with something, let me ask you this. I guarantee you, men... Men often struggle with sexual images. And there are plenty of them out there. Women perhaps struggle with gossip, slander, or a sharp tongue. All of us lust and covet for things. There's constantly people dangling things in front of you. And they make it seem okay, righteous, How about you covet and lust after a new home? Don't be content with what you've got when you can have so much more. Just think of it. Low down payment. Percentage rates are real low. And what are they trying to do? They're enticing you. They're trying to get your flesh to want. Ooh, I like that. To become discontent. You become discontent with what you have, and then you start coveting these other things. Do you think you can stand day in and day out against all this stuff? No, you can't. But here's the secret. Yes, you can. If you stand in the strength and the power of the Lord's might. If you learn to pray like this, if you learn to get up early in the morning and know that this day in front of me is going to bombard me with so many temptations that I know, and I can't stand unless the Lord is my shield, the Lord is my rock, the Lord is my refuge, the Lord is my strong tower. And I look to him and I say, oh, Father, this day is going to bring temptation. I pray that you direct my paths away from it. I pray that you deliver me from the evil one and all sin. Oh God, be my refuge. And then watch, watch how he shows up. You might even actually get tempted to think you're pretty strong. You're pretty good. Why is it these images are bouncing off? Why is it I could look at these things and it's like turn away? Why is it I walked in the situation, I didn't know what was going to happen, and I acted in a way that kind of surprised me? must be getting pretty spiritual. I must be really, must really doing well. The next day, we forget to pray. 
Bam. What happened? So we get back uh, uh, on the ground and we run back to that place where we know is safety and strength. And then you start to realize, hello, guys, hello. You need to pray this way constantly. And I'll tell you what, before, if, is, is the computer or is the store or are the restaurants a struggle for you at all? Pray before you go in. And start to watch the difference. You'll be shocked as you walk in the strength and the power of his might. You'll start to become shocked. Wow, I can stand. I can resist. Because I'm looking to the Lord. I'm trusting in the Lord. And he is defending me, guarding me, shielding me. It's unbelievable. But then be, be careful because pride the evil one's quick. He's good. He'll come around, and now he'll, he'll get you with that pride thing. And that what pride comes before the fall. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This is such a huge aspect to our sanctification. I can't state it strongly enough. That so often Christians go on in their own strength, acting as fools. But here's the thing. You know what we're like? We're like little kids. You ever know what little kids do? They're always trying to get your attention and prove to you how great they are. Little, uh, you know, they're either saying, hey, daddy, look, look, watch. They want to impress, right? Hey, daddy, look, want to show how good we are. Want to show how strong we are. We're, We're like that with God. We're constantly, instead of looking to him and confessing our weakness and trying to get our strength from him, we're like constantly saying, hey, father, look, watch this one. Hey, look at me. Watch. I'll prove to you. I love you. I really do. And I'm going to show you how much I love you. You know, I I want to really make you proud of me. And then we fail. What happened? Well, we didn't look to the Lord our God. We looked to ourselves. We're trying to impress God. And then you know what happens? even gets worse because when we do fall, You know what our temptation is to do then? Is to get back up and then we say, that's never going to happen again. I'm going to make sure of it next time. Yeah, I fell this time, but not next time. Father, watch this time. I am going to show you. I am going to prove it this time that I really love you. I'm going to prove it this time that I can stand. I'm going to show you, Father. Just watch. What happened? Now I'm really ticked off. Now I'm really angry. Now I'm really going to double my efforts. What happened? You know, now we're totally out of our gourd because this is frustrating us. We hate our, now we're like flogging ourselves because we just hate ourselves. We can't understand ourselves. We don't know what's going on. And who is this guy? You know, we're this, we're Romans 7 all over again. Who will deliver me from this body of death? God says, I will look to me. The Christian life isn't just about trusting Jesus for our salvation. It's about trusting our God for everything. We have to learn to trust him, look to him, cling to him. And we, our confession at the end of the day needs to be all about his goodness, his strength, his power, his shielding, his defense. It's got to be we boast. If we do any boasting, we boast in the Lord. And that, we come here and we sing his praises because, whoa, we know that apart from you, O Lord, I can do nothing. 
But man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That same person who can do nothing apart from Christ can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. And what's the difference? One who's looking to him, trusting in him, clinging to him, and one who's not. One who just goes about their day thinking, "Hope, sure hope it works out better this time. That's sure to get you nothing but death. Let me exhort you to not walk out of here, to not walk out of your bed, to not walk into any situation apart from saying, Oh, Father, lead me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. I know my flesh, but I know your strength. I know I can stand against all these things as long as you will strengthen me, as long as you'll be my rear guard, as long as you'll be my shield and my defense. You know what's something that's interesting I've, I've been doing lately because of partly because of what I'm learning in prayer even for I can say this this morning because Antonia is not here she'd probably get all upset if I she was here but I've been praying more and more for her daily on a daily basis for this that God would shield her that he would protect her that he would defend her and that he would not allow the evil one to you know put crazy thoughts in her heads and I, I found that um, when I do that there's a marked difference like drastic that day and when i don't there's a marked difference it's as if she's just being assailed and realize that she's almost in a sense defenseless and it's almost as god is teaching me how to how to pray for her and protect her and and do what you know in her state she can't really do too well and it's been a wonderful wonderful way to see god actively doing this on a day-by-day basis and the difference is remarkable. Not only that, even in my own life, going into situations, there's a marked difference when I, because I tell you what, if you guys are on the computers at all, you'll all attest to this, you can't stop every single image that will ever, you'll ever encounter. Like even, um, well, never mind a commercial nowadays, women don't wear much of anything. And so you will encounter images that can be very tempting. And there's a marked difference, almost as if you feel a shield, a barrier. When I'm looking to God to provide my safety, protection, and to deliver me, praying this prayer, it's as if it bings off. And I know the exact opposite. with just forgetting, walking into life, thinking I'm going into situations, and all of a sudden it's like, why is that gripping me by the neck right now? Why is it as if I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm teetering on, on, on lust? Why is that? It's because I'm an ignorant fool at times, and I walk and seek to go in my own strength. This, is, this has taught me a tremendous amount of understanding that our sanctification is really about us learning to fully and completely depend on the Lord and not on ourselves. To walk by faith. Trusting in the Lord. That's the difference maker. What are you struggling with? Do you feel like the Christian life is just one big trial that you can't overcome? What is it? I know there's probably something that you're really struggling with. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. Confess your weakness. Look to him to be your strength. Look to him to be your shield. Look to him to be your rock. Look to him to be your defense. And he will. You will be delivered. He will keep his promise. Now let's just do our part.
and looking to him and trusting him. Amen. Father, you are so good, so faithful. You've never disappointed me. You've never failed me. I've never once looked to you, cried out to you, cling to you, and found you lacking, found you insufficient, found you unwilling to defend me. Oh, Father God, have mercy on us all, and may we all learn to look, to cling, to trust, to hope in you, and in you alone. For we ask this in Christ. Amen.